Hello, welcome to the next episode of Humans of SDU. Today, we're sitting here with Jacqueline, who comes from Germany, where she's also doing her master's, but who is writing her thesis here at SDU in Olbense. We're going to talk about the project a lot. We're going to talk a lot about songbirds. Enjoy. Hello, Jacqueline. Welcome to Humans of SDU. Uh, we are very happy to have you because uh, you're a very special guest. Your SDU card says guest researcher, and that's something we haven't had here yet. <laughs> so could you tell us how you got into this special relationship with the university? Yeah, sure. So uh, you want me to start from the very beginning? Yes, yes. Okay, go for I'll it. start from the very beginning. So um, I, in my bachelor's, I studied molecular life science or biochemistry. And um, I moved on to that master's well here at STU as an international student in the BMB department. But I was always a bit like, I don't know, is this the right thing for me? But it's super interesting, so maybe I should stick with that. So I had like some counseling and stuff and just you know, said very like offhandedly, just like, ah, I feel like those biology classes just sound so much more interesting. And then the counselor was like, yeah, just take those classes and see where that gets you. <laughs> So I was like, okay, cool, uh, I'll do that. And it was no problem because you can like switch between all the science departments and have like electives there. So that was nice. And I really, really liked those classes. It was classes on biodiversity and climate change. And I really, really enjoyed those. So then I tried to change masters here, but unfortunately the university didn't let me, which was very sad because I would have liked to stay here. I really liked the professors and my friends and everything. So, yeah, but so I went back to Germany where I'm originally from, to Hamburg, and started my master's there where it wasn't a problem because, you know, biochemistry and biology are pretty similar actually, but well, <laughs> except for the taxonomy stuff, but yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> um, right, so I did my master's there, but I still really liked the research that was being done here. And I had this class with uh, Dalia Kondo, a professor here at SDU when I was trying out the classes. And I really, really enjoyed that one. So I wanted to try out if I could you know, see myself working in that field as well. So I wrote to her and asked her if I could do a Erasmus internship with her, which is similar to the Erasmus semester thing that you know people know about, but it's for internships and it's, yeah, you can do it as a research internship, as I do, but also just with the company and anything like that. And yeah, so we both agreed on that and found a topic to work on. So I came back to Onsa in January and started working on my project, which I think we'll talk about a bit more in a second. And um, yeah, and so all, and back then, like, Card always said guest researcher, which oh, you know, <laughs> and also had like on my on, on the office door it said my name too, and I was just like feeling very very fancy, really, <laughs> I have to say. And yeah, and then you know Corona came, so I went back to Germany for the lockdown, which was fun, <laughs> just staying home a lot. And yeah, and then I came back uh, last month before the border closed. <laughs> you have good timing. <laughs> yeah, really good timing. I left just before the border closed and then I came back just before they closed the border. I probably would have still been able to come back in, but yeah, for like a new Erasmus, we can, because you can do several of them actually, which is nice. And uh, yeah, and I will be starting my master thesis with Dahlia soon. Mm. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's yeah. really nice. And um, 
what's this project about? Can you tell us some information about that? Yeah, sure. So um, the whole topic is the international trade of songbirds. Mm -hmm. So songbirds are like all these, you know, small birds, like the finches, sparrows, tits, but also crows, which, you know, you wouldn't expect. But I would never name, call you know? it a songbird, no. no, no <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> annoying. <laughs> but it does belong to their family. They actually have very complex songs. So yeah, you just right. show them crawling most, but yeah. they're pretty, pretty complex uh, birds. But yeah. Um, Exactly, and uh, right, so I'm working on the trade there, yeah. which um, was, yeah, back like in the mid-tens, can you say that? Now? So uh, around 2015-16, it like people noticed that this was like starting to be pretty severe problems, especially in, a in like Southeast Asia. Um, and then last year, the there was a uh, a meeting of the CITES, which is the Convention of International Trade in Endangered Species. Of like I, I don't even know. I think that's not quite the correct one, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Big of the gist, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, it's a international convention that has like 183 countries in it, so nearly all of the countries in the world. So it's pretty powerful that way. And the member states they agree to um, implement the rules that CITES makes into the national law. So it's really, really, really powerful tool for regulating the international trade. And Sri Lanka and U the USA pointed out that there's a problem with the songbirds. And at the moment, there's only, depending on the taxonomy you look at, I don't want to get into that, <laughs> but there's uh, 80 to 90 birds only listed. Mm -hmm. And the songbirds are actually 6,660. So 59, but there's like a new <laughs> one they found, so it's probably 60 soon. So, like, it's a huge group. It actually makes up, like, half of all the birds. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's a lot of birds. Yeah, that's surprising. Yeah, so you wouldn't expect that. But so people have always been a bit reluctant to look into that because mm -hmm. the taxonomy is a mess. So, like, the names that species get, yeah. it's, not, it's not very straightforward. So, like, we're using one taxonomy, but then another taxonomy doesn't even agree that that one is a species. They say, no, it's a subspecies, or it's just a synonym of a different species. Okay, so it's, so it's not standardized yet. Exactly, there's no, like, oh that's God. what I have basically <laughs> the last six months, <laughs> standardizing those, those names. Okay. So we have, we have uh, I just checked that, like, that other day. We have one bird that has 10 synonyms. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, there's 10 different names for this one bird okay. in our taxonomy. So in other taxonomies, it might be like separate species. So it's, wow. <laughs> it's really hard, you know, to, to do something like that. But anyway, so there's only like 80 to 90 listed in CITES. Uh, so only those are like being monitored the trade and they're being protected internationally. And from the data we've gathered, there's at like around a thousand that are being traded mm -hmm. internationally. So there's definitely room for, for, for that. And yeah, CITES noticed that and it was pointed out to them. So they were like, yeah, Okay, we, we, we would like to do something, but we need more more data. We don't have the research. We don't know what's what's going on actually. So that's where my project comes in. <laughs> so long story short. So you're collecting the data for so, them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So so um, my professor is, has close relations to the site secretariat. So they pointed this out to her, and she was like, "Cool, we'll do a project on that." And that's yeah, where my project started basically. So I've uh, collected a lot of data. It's a huge huge. Excel sheet at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so ranging from the trade, from different databases, there's like different 
Yeah, they were working with like experts on songbirds as well. And so it's a trait, but it's also biological information, like uh, how long does the species live? How long does it take for them to lay eggs? How many eggs do they lay? But also like, are they already listed in any international treaties? So there's mm-hmm. the CITES, but there's also like uh, CMS, for instance, which is the convention of migratory species. I think that has a longer name as well, but it's yeah. migrat- so it's about migratory species yeah. because a lot of birds of, you know, go from place to place. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's difficult <laughs> to protect them in one country if mm. the other countries don't protect them. So a lot of them are in, in there as well. Yeah, and then we're also looking at some EU stuff. But yeah, and um, yeah. So, and we're also looking at zoos, if they can be kept easily or not. So that's also part, which is, gets us back to the trade thing. Because yeah. it's of course like a different thing if it's like a kept a captive bread, so you can just you know keep it, and that's most of the birds we have in shops as well, right? Mm-hmm. So they're being like bred in captivity, and then they're sold to people who want them to keep them as pets. But um, that's you know no problem for the pop- wild populations, like why why there's no no problem there. But the problem is if if it's a species that can only be kept in the wild, so mm-hmm. so people don't know how to keep it in captivity, or if yeah, people prefer to have the wild specimen for different reasons. I'm thinking, so what determines whether the species can only be kept in the wild or wilder? it can be kept in the captivity? Yeah, I mean, I'm not too sure, but like, um, for instance, if you don't know what the diet is oh, exactly. Okay. Yep. So, um, yeah, there's, there's this one bird that's being um, traded a lot for, yeah, um, that actually dies really easily in captivity. And um, yeah, it, uh, because it only feeds on seeds usually in the mm-hmm. wild, but it's being ke- uh, fed fruits, so mm-hmm. it gets like this like adipolitas thing, you know, yeah. it basically okay. gets like fat stuff <laughs> into its tissues, and mm. then it dies of that. Okay, so that people so don't know how to take care of. So them. people don't know about mm. that, but we're working together with like uh, zoo experts as well, and they were keep so they, there was like a confiscation of this uh, bird. And then they try to keep it in captivity in the zoos because that's often where those birds that are seized on the border somewhere mm-hmm. are being, um, they're often given to the zoos so they can you know, take care of them. <laughs> and, um, and they found out that you have to you know, feed it only seeds and, mm-hmm. not, and just, just very little fruit. So, yeah. so that's how zoos can help there in like, mm-hmm. the captivity. Yeah, and um, yeah, so this bird I was talking about is something they call a master songbird. Mm-hmm. So teaches other songbirds how to sing. Okay. So it's a very like uh, yeah nondescript. I wouldn't say nondescript. It's pretty cute. It's like very fluffy. Yeah. But it's only just like black and white. So it's not it's not very exciting to look at. I mean even if you look at our songbirds, you know like some of them are really colorful. But if you go you know to the tropics and stuff, they get like really really pretty. So yeah. So that bird is actually kept alongside other birds to teach them to sing because like especially like in Southeast Asia like songbird songing, uh, singing competitions are like a thing okay <laughs> a really popular thing <laughs> interesting how you does don't it go look like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't go to the opera we go to a songbird competition yeah. <laughs> I mean if you go to the forest you know some some birds have very nice songs oh, especially yeah, like during mating season so mm. yeah so it, the more you know a male can sing and the better the more attractive it gets mm. the, okay females so yeah but wait so there actually is a jury that like like looks and listens to the birds and says oh this one is the winner yeah yeah exactly so okay. they have like jury of like you know very established people and like very 
Yeah, and uh, they will go around and listen to the birds. I, I actually don't know how they do that. From the pictures I've seen, they just have all these cages. So mm -hmm. I don't know how they listen to like specific birds, but so these are the experts, so they know what they're doing. <laughs> and so they're walking around and yeah, and evaluating the song. But also, you know, the, if the bird is prettier, that's of course also better. So yeah, and the, like in, in some parts in Southeast Asia, it was just like like a thing, you know. So yeah. you have people winning these like so they have like local competitions, and then you go, go to the next competition, and then you end up in the national competition, you know. And if you win that, you know, you're like really like a superstar, and you're in the news and stuff like. That. And you win a lot of money as well. Mm -hmm. I mean. Like that—that's that, also a driver there. Okay. So yeah. So you actually can train the bird. You you can yeah yeah you can. Uh, by like with the help of the other birds or is there any other way how to do it? Yeah no that's that's mainly how okay. they do so they they pick up the songs from other birds so okay. if you, which is a problem for these like songbird competitions so if you keep like a lot of different birds together they will all start picking up their songs. Mm -hmm. Ah okay. So then they don't have like you know a clear beautiful song anymore. Which is also why they often prefer taking the wild caught birds because they still have the natural song that's mm. considered more beautiful than like a captive bird song. Which is part of the problem, really. Because uh, there's like some species that have been just uh, caught a lot for these competitions, but also just to be kept as a pet because they're really pretty or they sing nicely. So they have become very scarce in the wild, but are really common in the trade. So like you can find a lot of them in the markets but not so many um, in the wild anymore. And that's kind of where we come in. So we go like, okay, as if it's only nationally traded, it's a bit difficult, but um, so we, because we're looking at the international trade right now. But um, if that's the problem, and usually there's some sort of you know, spillover, if there's a lot of species being traded nationally in the country, like some of them will start you know, being exported as well to, to other countries. And especially like, so Indonesia is very into these songbird competitions, for instance, and they've started, so there's birds that are, um, occur like in Indonesia and Malaysia. Mm -hmm. And so now they've started to get them from Malaysia because they're not, can't find them, well, can't find that many anymore in Indonesia. So it's starting to become an international problem because, you know, they're, yeah, they're catching too many of their yeah. own birds. And like, I haven't been there, so I don't know, but people who have been there have actually, um, and this has also become like a catchphrase for this whole problem really, has said that this for the forests there are silent, so you can't hear the birds. Okay, so that's really sad. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know how much of that is true, of course, but apparently it's like a really, really dire situation in some parts. So, and I don't want to, you know, like put the blame on Indonesia or anything, because like other countries are also, um, yeah, really uh, importing a lot of birds. And and for them it's just part of the culture, you know. They they don't necessarily know it's a problem because no one you know has told them. And like if if you go to the bird markets, you see all these birds there. So you don't wouldn't expect this someone living in the city, you know. Yeah. We, we know that too. We don't notice that biodiversity is dying out in the in the forest, right? So um, yeah. So for us, it's also it's the same for them. You know, they go to their bird markets to buy a new bird because they want one or something, or they want to take part in a competition. Yeah. And yeah, they don't uh, they they don't see the problem like that because there's so many birds there. And for some of the species, there's like tens of thousands in the trade or mm. thousands in the trade, and only like a hundred left in the wild. Mm. That's not a yeah. good ratio. <laughs> no, it really isn't. It really isn't. And the problem is also like the more scarce. Uh, species becomes 
like the high the higher value it gets in the trade. Okay. Yeah. So the more pressures on the people, you know, catching the the birds to really get the last one because yeah. that one will be like the one that gives the most money. Mm. And it's it's similar also in uh, Latin America. Mm -hmm. From what I know, they don't do the singing competitions, but it's very common for them to keep birds as well. Just at home. And at home, mm. exactly. And on for like. Um, yeah, for them and also in South Asia, you know, if you have like a really rare bird that sings really nicely, you know, you like, it's like a prestige thing, really. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so it's really nice. But there's also, you know, people in Europe collecting like rare birds. So, yeah, it's like, it's, it's a global problem, really, which is why we're looking at it globally and didn't want to only focus on Southeast Asia, which has been, you know, in the focus hmm. quite a lot lately. Um, yeah, but... So what you're doing is that you're collecting the data, which can then be used like to decide that more of the species are actually endangered, and that can be exactly. So we're, so we're looking. Firstly, we just need to you know figure out which species are being traded. Mm -hmm. That's like the first step because no one really knows like all the species in the trade, and it's, as mm -hmm. I said, such a big group. Like, yeah, I'm thinking like, how do you find out? I guess nobody's gonna tell you like, yeah, I'm trading these <laughs> and these birds. Like, <laughs> I mean, and, and some some of the traders completely legal so they, they, okay, there's no reason okay, to okay. not say that mm -hmm. right but no like there's experts that actually go to these markets like mm -hmm. in southeast asia in latin america and in europe as well mm -hmm. because europe has bird markets too like i, I didn't know that before i started working yeah, with, I also but there's heard about them, apparently but there's bird markets here too especially like in the netherlands and, but also in other parts and um so people go uh, people go there and they will record um, the species they see and because they don't want to, you know, be look suspicious or anything, mm -hmm. they apparently have like recording devices mm -hmm. and they speak in a language that isn't spoken in that part of the world. And then, you know, they just talk into these recording devices. Or if that's too suspicious, sometimes they just, you know, go to like a corner and make some notes so people won't actually notice. Mm. It kind of depends on where, where they are. Like sometimes it's agents. a really. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it sounds really like a spy movie kind yeah. of thing. You know, like <laughs> but yeah, so there's different people doing that. Hmm. But of course, it's always just a, like a, you know, like a, a screenshot of what what's there right that, right then. So there's a lot of species if they're like really rarely traded, you wouldn't catch them like that. But and then there's also people you know who just love one species, and so they make like a lot of publications on one species, so we know it's being traded. And yeah, we're actually working very closely together with these experts. We also that go to the markets and make their own databases and stuff like that. Then we also have someone who did a very extensive literature research, so just what's in the literature. And we're also using databases that record trades. So we have one database that records um, the seizures and confiscations that are being made. Mm -hmm. So those are the illegal, yeah, yeah. the illegal <laughs> trade that's being caught. You know, you mm -hmm. still there's there's always things going through the net, right? But so net, that's funny. That was not no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. So um, so traffic is um, is uh, is an organization that. Um, really looks at the legal wildlife trade, not just for summers, but mm. generally. And so they were kindly enough to give us their data. So we're looking at that. And then we also have data from the US. They have like a, 
so if people want to import so something illegally, you know, they have to fill out like forms and stuff yeah, like exactly. that. So they have uh, a database that's available that um, we're looking at as well. And then we have the database from CITES, mm -hmm. which, as I said, there's not that many species on yeah. there. <laughs> but there's actually more species in the database than are being listed for some reason. And we, yeah, there, there was a long like, discussion <laughs> figuring that out as well. But so they're also like uh, species are being listed in the convention mm. and then delisted again. Mm. People go like, no, we don't want to list them anymore. So yeah, so there's there's a bit more information in that one as well. So that these are like all the different. So we have a lot of different sources. We put all of them together, and at the moment we have like a thousand fifty around uh, species that are in the trade. So that's a lot. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like a massive spreadsheet. <laughs> yes, it's pretty, it's pretty. And we also, and the thing is with the songbirds, that what the experts keep mentioning that you know, if one bird becomes really scarce, a bird that looks similar to it will start being traded. So it's not like you know, it's not a static like a static thing. It's like it's it's moving and it will, you know, evolve. Even even as we like working on this, new species have like entered the mm. trade, and other species are not being traded because they're not you know hip or something. <laughs> <laughs> The so, season. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, like, like uh, you know, the clothing. Things go out in and out of yeah. the trend. So, yeah. So, um, so it's, it's, it's a lot of species. But then, you know, some of them, it's, it's just captive trade. So we don't really care about that. Or just very little wild trade. And then we, we don't really, you know, it's not, it doesn't do anything to the population. In that case, we don't care. So it's, we're trying to narrow down you know, which of these species need to be protected and where the, you know, where the trade is really not sustainable and mm. where, you know, it's really threatening their, like, existence in the wild. Mm. So that's like, you know, when a species is already threatened by, like, the red list, you know, we have these red lists, you know, where they're, like, least concerned and you're threatened, endangered, vulnerable, endangered, critically endangered, extinct in the wild and extinct, that's, mm -hmm. like, the categories. And some of the songbirds are actually like extinct in the wild, but still kept in captivity. And then they're being, and there's actually like um, the Hawaiian crow, for instance, which is right now being reintroduced into the wild. So there is like that possibility, but it's really, really difficult to do. Mm. And um, so we're trying to just keep them in the wild yeah, in exactly. the first place, right? So, and we have like some, some species that are like critically endangered. So they're like very close to being extinct that are also being traded. And, for their population size, really high numbers. So that's also a thing. So, so some, you know, some birds, there just aren't big populations. So they're only a thousand birds, like naturally occurring, mm -hmm. right? But if you start to take like a hundred every year out of that population, after 10 years, you don't have any birds anymore, right? I mean, they're, they're gonna, you know, re reproduce a bit, but more. You just have very low, like, reproduction rates. So we're looking at that as well, like, um, how, does it, how much of the population is there? Where do they live? So like endemic to like a specific island, you know, it's if you have like even like little trade, it's a bit like you, maybe we shouldn't do that or have like have like a regulation there, you know, so we can monitor it. So um, exactly. So so we're looking at like all these different facets, like not just if it's being traded or, but also if the trade is like a threat to the bird and to the species. So yeah, that's a, a lot of work and a lot of juggling around with. Um, with data, and as I said, the taxonomy has been a been a problem at some yeah. some parts. It but sounds yeah. like you're really into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun, definitely, and it also you know shows how because I mean all this data existed before, but no one put it together. Mm -hmm. 
So, and um, that's kind of what we're trying to show with this project as well, you know, that it's important to everyone have, like, have everyone in the same boat, everyone working together, because people get, like, you know, some of these organizations don't like each other that much, and then they don't mm, work yeah. together. So we, we try to get everyone in one boat, and we have, like, re really good feedback from everyone as well. So really looking forward to getting our results. So, yeah, I, I really hope that this project will help to protect more, more species and to, like, focus the... Um, to narrow down the focus so people know, okay, which species do we need to look at and maybe protect more um, and regulate the trade more, mm. especially. Yeah. Great. Um, I mean, <laughs> that went so fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I talked too quickly. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, this this sounds, um, your research sounds interesting, but a bit stressful, so... Do you have any tips or, or techniques how you deal with uh, everyday stress? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so it can be a bit stressful, <laughs> certainly. But um, yeah, I, I do like a lot of yoga and meditation. I actually, I started like, yeah, like four, three, four years ago mm -hmm. to, like med uh, to do yoga every day. And then, you know, yoga, like a big part of yoga is like doing like a short meditation at the beginning and at the end. And I really noticed how that, really helped me as well. So I started to kind of just connect that onto the, so I do like a bit of yoga, like 10, 20 minutes every morning, and then just five to 10 minutes of meditation, like a really focused meditation. So there's so many great resources like out in the internet, you know? Like, because when you when you first start with meditation, you know, people just think, okay, you just sit down and you be quiet, you know, that's, yeah. that's <laughs> it. But meditation can, can be really hard, especially when you like start off at first and I already had you know some experience because I was doing yoga for a while mm -hmm. but um, even even like with yoga it's different like depending on what your teacher does with the meditation so some will like really talk you through it and be like hey and now you deep, deep breaths and some just go okay now it's re relaxation time just breathe you know <laughs> like okay <laughs> I'll do my best to breathe. and with yoga you have you know the added benefit that yoga itself is a part of meditation so by the end of the yoga lesson you're usually very like center, then it's easy to like relax. But if you go into meditation right away, it can be kind of hard to just you know mm -hmm. sit down and shut off all your thoughts, kind of. Which is yeah, sorry. That's why I'm thinking. Do you listen to birds singing while having like <laughs> meditating or something? That would be that would really fit. That would be like, the yeah, fit yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, actually, not. I'm sorry Follow. to disappoint you there. Maybe you can yeah. try. <laughs> yeah, do sure, you have sure. any tips on people who want to start out with meditation? How to start or how to do it? Yeah, there's like some some really really good like podcasts mm -hmm. and YouTube channels out there. Yeah, okay. uh, I, I like to listen to just two podcasts specifically. That's uh, Meditation Mini's podcast and the Tune Into You podcast, mm -hmm. which are, yeah, I can leave you the links for the show notes. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I really, really like those. And what I especially like with those, it's they, are, they have like, there's like general ones for like stress and relaxation and sleep. There's mm -hmm. like a lot of sleep meditations out there. But um, they also have like like topic focused ones. So actually today I, I did the one for uh, being more comfortable speaking before this episode. Okay. So uh, <laughs> that sounds like, useful. Yeah, it's like and there's there's ones for you know like um, helping making difficult choices, which was something I did you know back when I decided to change my masters. Which oh yeah. <laughs> was was a hard decision to make, right? 
you because you go like okay which path to take you know where mm. do I want my life to go and when you're in that decision you go like uh it's just one thing or the other you can't do both you know which is not true if you look back but anyways so it's it's really helpful to have like a meditation mm. where you know someone guides you through it and goes like okay so now you're living five years in the future mm -hmm. and you did this decision like how does your life look like and then you and then they're like okay and now stay takes back you were in the present again now take the other path right and someone like guiding you through that it's like yeah it's, it's different than just sitting down like i'm, I'm gonna meditate on this now and then you're just <laughs> like oh my god exactly. what's happening nice. yeah. so so yeah i really like this like guided meditation method so someone like tells you you know in, in the beginning they they tell you to take deep breaths to you know let go of the days as far mm. and to let go of the things and then they start whatever topic the mm. meditation is about and they will remind you too you know because it's it's completely natural during meditation that your mind will you know drift off and go somewhere that like completely yeah. different run at some point you go like oh my god what, what happened where am i like but um like with the guided meditations you know people will uh, the the host will also be like, yes, yeah, so now, you know, if your thoughts have uh, like drifted off somewhere, come back to your breathing now. Mm. So you're not, you're not as alone as when you just sit down and do silent breathing. Like, which, which sometimes I like to do, like, especially if my, if I feel like my head is too full of stuff, sometimes I just like to do a silent meditation. Mm. Or, or there's like meditations where there's like a gong every one mm -hmm. minute or something, which is also, you know, helps you to come back to yeah. your breath and, and like in its rare, like in its pure form, that's meditation where you, you focus on your breathing, and that's kind of what helps you to focus your thoughts. And I mean, I mean, I really like it's not. I, I would just really, really like like sometimes in the meditations, your mind really goes like blank, and you're, like, mm -hmm. you're in this like white space kind of. And I really like that feeling because my, my mind is very, you know, going all over the place usually. <laughs> oh, I know so, that. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, meditation has really helped me with that, like being more focused, you know, and being mm. able to like be really on point. Jacqueline, our yeah. oh, sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt, but our because I wanted to ask our last question, but you're basically answering it right now, so that's why I'm interrupting you. <laughs> yeah. But our last question always is if you have any life hack, anything that helps you get through your life. So if there's anything that you would like to add on that or. If you feel like you've just answered, which basically you have, so yeah, I mean, meditation <laughs> is space. yeah, 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 definitely like like the big thing that you know people always hear that you should do that because it's good, but often people go like ah oh, yeah, but how, where to start and what to do, mm -hmm. and it's really like you know even they they've proven even like three minutes of meditation is like re really good already. But another thing that I like to do, and I always tell myself I need to do more of because when I do it, it's really nice, but you know I don't get around. It's like journaling. Mm -hmm. So what I do is called like morning pages. It's like uh, there's a whole thing. Like I, I actually, it's from like a book which is called I think the the artist's way or something. I I don't know, but a lot of people talk about it. Like I listen to a lot of like you know lifestyle podcasts and stuff like that. So, um, and I just kind of adapted it from like a YouTuber. So it's uh so I do like th I have three pages that are just like empty pages like line empty pages mm -hmm. and so I just do stream of consciousness journaling is what it's called so you just write down whatever's in your head and as I say my, my mind is like all over the place especially in the morning you know my mind wakes up and goes okay you're to do this today did you remember to that that and, you know like, like yes it's all over the place so sometimes you know just like to sit down and just write everything out and then you know it's also easier to meditate after that because your mind's already cleared of all the junk basically mm -hmm. and it's 
And it's really, really helpful, especially if you're like really stressed and have like a lot of things going on because it's just so helpful to get everything on paper, you know? And then, because then your mind doesn't keep wanting to remind you of it because you've written it down. So, yeah, you exactly. know, the brain goes like, okay, it's, it's written down somewhere. It's, it's fine, it's fine. Sounds great. So yeah, I can really recommend that as well. Perfect. I think we came to an end, but I believe we could talk much more, but just let's keep it for another episode, I guess. I'll be happy to come back. Thank you very much, Jacqueline, for joining us in this. It was a really pleasant conversation. Yeah, it was uh, a lot you. of fun. Thank you for inviting me again. Yeah, have a nice day. Perfect. <laughs> thank you. That will be it today. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed Jacqueline talking and that you will learn something new because we definitely did. Before we meet again next week, check our social media, Facebook and Instagram, where you can learn more about her and about the project as such. Have a nice day.